Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, live from New York. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by NCR's Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent, an ocean away from those beats here in America. It's Manny Carriol. Hello, thanks for having me again. <laughs> We're very glad to be here. We are sitting between Courts 4 and Court 5 on Sunday. Uh, Ayaj Bedene is wrapping up or beginning a practice uh, on Court 5 now. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a quiet day. It was Arthur's Kids Day, and now it's a quiet time now that the kids have all pretty much left and gone home there were a lot of kids there were a lot of people a lot of people uh good day uh, how's your yourself been so far it's been it's been it's been nice it's been i don't know it just feels like we're, we're building up to at least for me building up to do that two huge things both in the women's draw with um serena of course and then raducanu so it's been kind of i don't know it's, it's felt even that this week has been just felt even more kind of busy I guess and frantic than, than normal and, and these weeks are normally busy and frantic before Islam. I would say from a non-British perspective the Serena thing is infinitely bigger than the already kind of thing but I agree yeah it, that, I mean there's anticipation about I think Serena specifically we're going to get to her let's do the women's draw first to get to her early but she's very near the bottom of the draw so we're going to um, do you want to do it do you want to do it backwards or should we should we start with Serena or should we save her till the end let's start with the top let's, yeah, let's do yeah. it the normal way let's not be too uh, crazy um as Ayaj Bedene is working on his footwork and reactions. Uh, uh, Igish Fiontek is our number one seed here at a slam for the third time this year. She opens against Jasmine Paolini, then could get an interesting second round match against Sloane Stevens, who sh- whom she played against in Cincinnati, in a close match in Cincinnati. Yep. Sloane definitely had some moments and looked good. Iga won that one. Tommy, you had a moment uh, after Iga's first match in Cincinnati where you uncorked a can of the biggest story it's sort of the biggest actual non-serena story i think of the last week or so which has been the conversation around the us open balls and i know you're writing about this or finally already wrote about this did you file this yet no not yet everyone in the world has written about it aside from me okay so what what was your thought when you and i did not know that she was having the strong reaction she did but when you asked uh Iga Shantov got the balls. And I will say, I had also wanted, at some point, I realized I never had, actually, but it had been on my ideas of, like, to do a story on why the men and women use different balls in the U.S. Open. This was kind of one of those things. I hadn't realized which tournaments it does. I kind of didn't know it was as rare as it is, actually. I knew it was a thing at the U.S. Open. Um, but, yeah, what was your interest in that story, and what are your thoughts on how this, this topic has exploded from what Iga said? So, so yeah, um, well, same with you. I just, it's been on my list, and, you know, we're at the U.S. Open swing. I was in Cincinnati. So it was the time to ask about it. Obviously, this has been kind of preceded by um, uh, Craig Tizer's comments about um, at the U.S. Open when, you know, the surprise of... Well, after, at the Australian, Australian Open. Open so, yeah. after, so I'll just summarize that. Yeah. After she wins the Australian Open, Craig Tizer does a press conference. After Ash Barty wins the, press, wins the Australian Open, Tizer does a press conference and says that he um, doesn't think Ash can ever win the U.S. Open because the balls there are no good for her. Yeah. And, and so that that was in the back of my mind, and and yes, yeah, so I, I thought Iga was a a good person to start with, just because. So so they both play with kind of, although, although Ash played played with less spin, um, they both have the kind of ATP style kind of spinny forehand. So yeah. I wondered if they'd be kind of they'd have a similar feeling there, and so so yeah, I I asked her, and it was it was just, it was aside from everything, a very funny spectacle. She she started the the press uh, the transcript starts with. Oh my god! Which she said. I remember yeah. her saying, "Oh my god!" She was, "Oh my god!" And it was like so clear. You hit a nerve yeah. with with Igor yeah. And there. for like for like a split second, she, 
you know, deli- clearly deliberated over whether to, you know, tell her truth or, you know, keep her mouth shut. And she very quickly, you know, decided to let it all out. And so, yeah, she kind of, she called the balls horrible. She, you know, just explained that they're too light and that they fly and that you can't even serve, as she said, you can't even serve 170 kilometers an hour without, um, you know, without, you, you know, the ball flight, you know, missing missing your serve in double force, you know, whatever. And, and yeah, it, and she left, my favorite part was, of course, as she, she finished up the press conference, she went to leave and then she kind of stopped by the door, turned around and was like, you just started a war. <laughs> and, it, and it did. It, it has turned it. into quite a story. Now, I think, you know, and a couple other players have come out saying similar things to Shiantek, Paul Bedosa, uh, notably ripped the balls, a few other players you can probably name as well. I don't want to give away your whole story here, but it's already kind of out of the bag, largely, yeah. uh, from that. And I, and I said immediately, well, there, that's the, once they hit the transcripts, that's going to be picked up. It was a very impassioned, long answer from the world number one about this topic, which is gendered and has a lot of, like, you know, even if people don't like technical, t- you know, equipment stories, this is something that has, it's a good, it's a good topic. Anyway, yeah. you did well. I mean, if you weren't, you know, ready to file it enough to actually get yeah. ahead of it on publishing, but whatever. Um, I think it's interesting for Ega, just from a purely competitive standpoint, to sort of admit this much discomfort. And I say that more as analyzing her chances here in this tournament. Like, you know, the field will be aware of these, of these topics. And someone like Sloane Stevens, who played her next and, and Cincinnati played well and has won the U.S. Open with these balls, I mean, has to feel better about her chances there. I don't know. Just sort of, sort of like, especially because I think of Ega's being so, and her team, obviously, and she has her, you know, her psychologist, Daria, with her all the time. I, I don't know. I felt like just a weird sort of leaning to negativity and sort of like, um, yeah, negativity for, for this. I don't know. Do you agree with that or, or what do you think? I mean, I, I agree that it, it probably would have benefited her to, to you know, keep quiet and, and, you know, raise those issues with the WTA and, you know, relevant authorities um, rather than in the press conference. As a journalist, I can totally appreciate that. Oh, no, did. 100%. And I, think, I, and I think it's actually more likely to effectuate change doing it publicly yeah, yeah. in some ways. Yeah, and, and I also just think that she's... Gen- general, obviously not with everything, but she's quite. She's an honest, yes, honest yes. woman, and she's happy to speak her mind. And so I, I, I appreciate that she kind of, even though you know some some people perceived it as whiny or blah or this or that. You know, if if you feel you know if you feel a certain way, then say. I am always in favor of players being honest in in tennis. And I say this to compliment Iga. Really, I mean this. Like I don't think Barty would have given that answer ever. No, never. Because which I think is a testament to Ega. I think you know Barty was very, and I don't blame Barty necessarily for what she was doing, but Barty was very controlled and very calculating and pressed in a lot of ways, and what she let the story be, and she was very in control of that. And Ega, well, yeah, was just telling her truth as you said, and it, and it was made for an interesting moment in that little uh, newly smaller Cincinnati press room uh, last week. Uh, anyway, so Ega's like Ega's an interesting quantity because I think we did the post Wimbledon show. And we're sort of disappointed by her Wimbledon showing. And I think she kind of had a, you know, I went out with a whimper a bit in the second set, especially against Cornet in that loss. And has had a non-great, you know, swing since then. I mean, by her standards of winning 30. So nothing's going to match winning 37 matches. But losing in the quarterfinals of Warsaw to Caroline Garcia on clay, which is unexpected, by the way. Lukasz Kubo, I believe that is, practicing across the net from us now on court, uh, court four, speaking of Poland. Uh, and then we also have uh, Iga losing to Haddad Maya in Canada and then to Madison Keys in Cincinnati. Uh, the, you know, Keys is a good player. First time beating a number one, surprisingly. But anyway, what, what, is Iga, I think Iga is the betting favorite to win this tournament still, I think. Should she be? Is she, like, how much has the Iga versus the field conversation, which was the story at the U.S., at the French Open, and to some degree at Wimbledon still, 
when that draw was made, is that still at all relevant, or is is, is she back to being just part of the pack? I mean, I, I think the fact that she won thirty-seven matches in a row this year counts for something, and 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 the fact that she's demonstrated, you know, just how much better she can be than the field is also relevant. So, I, I wouldn't, I would never kind of count her out and say that, you know, based on these the, the, the results over the past week, which you know clearly have been quite a distance from what she was. Um, Achieving earlier earlier in the year during her streak, yeah. Um, but she's she's still there. I, I think she's still capable of playing herself into form and confidence, and you know, get and and playing quality tennis. So I think, given you know her rec, her rec, overall record this year and how just the the gap between her and in terms of points between her and the field, I, I think it's it's fair to put her as the favorite until you know, yeah, uh, as things are. But 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 certainly that the field is closer and. You know, in in general, players I'm sure players have seen, well, players have seen her results, and are, I'm sure they're more confident when they come up with, with her when they hear that. Certainly, when they hear about the, the things like the balls, I'm, I'm sure that will make them less kind of nervous yeah. playing against her and less inhibited. I would certainly take, unlike the French Open where I took Shvantec against the field, I would take the field against Shvantec here, uh, yeah, obviously. Sure, yeah. And everyone would really, but um, but she's yeah, absolutely still a totally strong number one, definitely the ranking points. Um, it doesn't seem so far off her form, but just that sort of extra sort of like swagger that she kind of patrolled the courts during her streak is kind of gone. And I do think something like the Sloan Stevens match in the second round, I think, is a great opportunity to win that back. That'll probably be a night match on Ash, I'm guessing. Um, it should be. Yeah. Uh, well, especially if Serena's out, honestly. Or no, sorry, that's not the same half as Serena. Especially if, well, yeah, I think it, it should, should be a night match. match. Yeah, it should be a night match on Ash. Just it's, that's an opportunity for Sloan as well. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see. You know, as you said, they, they played each other and it was tight. I mean, in Cincinnati, it was really good. It was a good yeah, match yeah. too. And you can just see, like, in 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 that environment, Sloan just turning it on. And that's what she did last year. Golf, against golf. Yeah. Against golf last year, she won, and then she also beat in the first round. She beat Madison Keys. Yeah. It was a really good. And then she lost third round to Kerber, one of the toughest draws anyone's had in a long time. Yeah, that Sloan she, had. She was good in. She was pretty good in that match as well. Yeah. Definitely. So, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's an interesting part of the draw. So the win, uh, winner of Shantek Stevens, and we are discounting Paulini and Greet Minin, which I think is kind of fair of us. Um, we'll could get uh, Katarina Alexandrova, who's had a good week. Oh, no, who did not have a good week. lost to Brangle or something in, in Cleveland. But who's a player? And then could get Ostapenko or Nisimova in the uh, fourth round. A, a question. Is, yeah. Is Alexandra kind of the le- one of the least talked about kind of Consistent, you know, she's top thirty now. She's yeah. been top thirty for a while. She she plays for, you know, obviously she doesn't have a flag by her name now, but she plays for one of the more prominent and you know countries in, in tennis. Well, you say prominent, but I actually don't think that it is because one of the things with the Russians, that I think, lets them fall through the cracks. And I sorry, I said the R word here, but she is Russian. Uh, you know, is that uh, there's not they have like no traveling media. Yeah, yeah. And so they actually yeah. don't talk much. And they don't get called in the true. press very much, and so a lot of them can kind of. You know, fall through the cracks, and I've I've talked to Alexandra before. I have, especially actually really early in her career when she came on, and I and liked her, but she just hasn't cracked quite that relevance to where like she hasn't had the big wins, quite really sort of be, ever be the story of a day in the Grand Slam kind of thing. So certainly, if she beats Sika Sviantek, there's a chance to do that, um, or or even Sloane Stevens. Uh, Ostapenko looms in the fourth round potentially for Sviantek in that in that section, or Anisimova. This is a fun sort of section here, just some personalities in here. Ostapenko's in there, as is Kotopova, as is Kenin, as is uh, Yulia Potintseva. As is Zheng. Um, yeah, Zheng Qingwen, yep. Queen Wen to her friends and fans. 
Um, yeah, they're all in here. And cute to everyone else. And cute to everyone else. And Anna. Anna is also one of her nicknames. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I think it's tough to know with Ossipenko. I mean, she could win any tournament, obviously. She could win this tournament, or she could lose to anybody. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what she does and what she wears, because she's on quite a fashion streak at the moment, has to be said, as there's some sort of dumpster behind us, unfortunately. It's our rolling trash bin, hopefully not too loud. And, uh, yeah, and I, I want to see what Ossipenko is saving for the big city. I want to see what her New York fashion statement is. I'm I'm ready. I'm pers- I think I'm ready. I'm not. I think I'm ready. I'm really not. But we'll I see. It, I think it's great. The the, the leopard collar in Cincinnati I'm, was extravagant. I'm, I'm glad she's wearing what she wants to wear. Yes, she, I agree. She's doing herself, and, and I I respect that. Next section uh, is Garbini Muguruza, who's had one of the worst years of a top player in a long time. Honestly, uh, I saw her practicing day with Iga. Actually, they were practicing together, and I was a little bit. Surprised. I actually shouldn't say that. I was surprised that Ego would want to practice with Garby. That's harsh, but like, I don't know how she doesn't practice. I think she has been better in practice than in matches, but yeah. Um, Muguruza has been really rough. Have you seen enough of Muguruza to have a great sense of what's going on there? Or are you just watching these doubles guys try to kill each other? It's, it's a very violent volley drill right now. Yeah. And you can understand why they're, they're so good at the net when, yeah. when you see them trying to take each other's head off like, repeatedly. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I've watched Garbinier and it just. It's just a, been a struggle. The, 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 just the, the match since you know it's, it's great. She won the WTA finals at the end of last yeah. year, and you know that you know as as always with Gabinia, you kind of think that well, not you think, but like after a big win, you're wondering or seeing or expecting that she'll kind of follow it up. And this has been just a massive drop since the start of the year, and it's been just it's, it's errors, it's struggles, it's you know she's been clearly like I don't know, just doesn't seem to be in a good mental place on the court. And actually, specifically, I feel like WTA Finals is actually a title that people follow up pretty regularly with good success. I mean, you look at, like, who won it before that? So it wasn't any in 2020. I mean, 2019, Barty won it and then went on to win, uh, you know, uh, another slam the next year. Or no, she didn't actually, but she was, you know, number one and still good. And then, I don't know, Wozniacki won it before winning the Australian Open. Yeah. Uh, Marisma won it before winning her slams. I mean, like, there's a, there's a history of people doing this anyway. So it's, it's a... It's a deeper cut than it needed to be Marisma. But anyway, uh, yeah, so Mugurus has been rough. It's been tough to watch. Uh, she plays in, in this uh, section also is Linda Fervirdova, who is one of, I think, three teenage Czech qualifiers in this draw. Yep. Uh, along with Linda Noshkova also, who's in the top half. And the third one is, uh, I've never pronounced the same out loud before. Uh, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Uh, Sarah ba- Balik. Sarah Balik is in the bottom half. B-E-J-L-E-K, Balik. I think it's Balik. Yeah, Um, yeah, they're coming. And they're very... Those names just got progressively younger. Um, Noskova's... um, She's born in 2004. Pervertova's 2005. Balik is 2006. So they just, you know, they just keep on coming. And I I appreciate... Czech Republic, man. (laughs) It's quite a pipeline they have. It really is. It's pretty cool. Impressive. Yeah. Speaking of Czech Republic, Petra Kvitova is in this section, and she had a really good run in Cincinnati, making the final there, losing to Caroline Garcia. Uh, I think this is a great draw for uh, Kvitova, actually. She opens against Erika Andreeva, who is a uh, must-be-Russian qualifier. There's no there's no country there. Apologize if she's Belarusian. I think she's Russian. I don't know her. Um, uh, Bernarda Perez is in here. She's had a really good summer. Uh, she could play Petra in the second round, and then is in that Muguruza section. So, Petra, uh, what did you see from Petra in uh, Cincinnati? I saw Chris clean ball striking and someone who um who you know she she played ex- extremely well she competed extremely well she beat you know on she yeah. beat uh, an on fire keys 
um, and she, you know, made the final play in great tennis. Um, obviously, it's, this has been a tough year for her. Um, yeah. She started the year with um, injury issues, lost lost tons of matches, then got an, an, an you know, even for her favorite grass, um, she got an unexpected title in Eastbourne. Like, yeah. I think also kind of helped, you know, she's, you know, she's been around for a long time and I'm sure that really kind of helped her to, I don't know, it, it gave her something to, to, to hold on to, to, you know, more, more motivation or whatever, whatever. Yeah. And, but then she had a tough Wimbledon. Um, so, so, no, it was great to see also her, her perform well. And although she's, she's had a few good results in Cincinnati, it's, it's a tournament where she openly doesn't, she doesn't like the conditions, the humidity, the heat, you know, as, and so she, she comes into the U.S. Open playing as, as well as I think she could have hoped at this point. You know, she yeah. lost to an on-fire Caroline Garcia, which you know is happening to everyone these days. So yeah, it, it, will, it will be interesting to see like what she does here. That the conditions, by, by all accounts, these conditions are are really fast. Well, yeah. And you know, everyone's kind of said that, and you can kind of see it. So you know. Let's see what, Could be what, good for Petra. Good for us. Good for Petra. And then the two seeds in this last section of the, of the Shvanta quarter, in which you pick up the page, are going a little bit slow, which is my fault, is uh, Jesse Pagula and Elisa Mertens are the two seeds here. Both kind of paragons of consistency on the tour, really. Pagula, especially at the 1,000 events, it's just so reliably like living up to her seeding and making it deep. Um, and she's here as the number eight seed at this slam. Uh, Mertens has an incredibly long streak of making it to the Grand Slam third rounds. Every time since she made semifinals of Australia in 2018, she's made it to at least the third round of every Grand Slam since, which is, in this era, is unbelievably great. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And she's just like somebody who people take for granted for sure, but like that's like, in this in this era of women's tennis, that is really, really impressive. Um, Iga has that too, actually. Iga has a really long streak of making it to at least uh, third or fourth rounds at this point. Yeah. And so, or third round, I guess, not because she lost third round at Wimbledon. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that all shakes out there. Um, yeah, I could definitely see. I think, you know, Pagula can make quarters or beyond if, if Shantek is there. I don't see her. She's not been matching up well against Shantek if Shantek finds form. But Pagula is, is not an easy out. And it's just such a reliably tough player. And it's really on on the way to the year-end championships this year. Like, she's pretty well positioned in the race uh, for someone who, again, hasn't been a big protagonist too much. Uh, the next quarter of the draw is the Paula Bedosa quarter. But it's another player complaining about the ball. She opens against Lesia Serenko of Ukraine. Uh, and speaking of Ukraine, Marta Kostyuk is also in this section and could get a potential second round against Victoria Azarenka. This was a news thing that happened this week at the tournament or in the lead-up week. There was a charity exhibition event uh, being scheduled by the USTA for uh, relief or aid for Ukraine and humanitarian causes uh, related to the war in Ukraine and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And as people know, Belarus has also been sanctioned in relation to this invasion because they've been helping and facilitating the invasion with, you know, land support or whatever they're doing, allowing access to their country for helping the mobilization of Russian troops and whatnot. Um, and this became a contentious point that Azarenka was invited to this exhibition to participate. Um, Azarenka has been against the war, but not, or said, said things that were against the war, but not anywhere near as pointed as what I would say Derek Sakina said. Um, in her interview, and I think she's been largely pretty vague, actually, and stuff, and has frustrated um, Marta Kostik, especially, and maybe other Ukrainian players as well, that this Belarusian player, who was banned from Wimbledon because of the war, uh, was included in this event. So very late, the USTA uh, decided to to remove Azarenka from the lineup of this event. Uh, What did you make of that whole thing? First first of all, I I just don't think she ever should have been in the lineup to start with. 
That's my take. Do you agree with that? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I do think that for the event, since it's Ukraine relief, um, they probably should have s- s- kind of started with the Ukrainian players and you know and you know gone f- gone from there. I mean, it's uh, and and so yeah, it, it created a, a more kind of conflict and and you know and and more issues and yeah it's it's a very uncomfortable moment in tennis and it's it's going to be um yeah if if they do play each other it might be it it might not be a good watch that's a, it could be horrible yeah it could it be horrible be bit, yeah, yeah it, there have not been there have been not been too many i believe that azarenka played yastremska in washington i want to say maybe or there have been some matches between these players on both sides of the war, which is just, it's a, it's a bizarre situation and obviously a sad and tragic situation. And in tennis having, especially women's tennis, having significant contingents from both sides of the war, it's just remarkable. We've never had anything like this in, in tennis where there's been an active hot war going on and both sides of the war are represented in the sport. And it's just, it's, it's surprising it hasn't been a bigger issue in some ways. The complete lack of any Ukrainian men on tour has been a big factor in that because the Russians... And Belarusian men never have to play any Ukrainians really at this level, at the ATP level. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, yeah, sad times, and yeah, I don't, I don't look forward to that sort of. That's not popcorn. That if they no. play each other, that's just that's that's whatever, just like discomfort, nail biting, snack. Not nail biting in a good way, but discomfort like stress eating. Um, all right. Uh, with that in mind, Azarenka has also been really inconsistent. She. <laughs> Got the attention of the tennis world uh, a couple days ago when she said, big announcement tomorrow, and had little emojis, like the speaker emojis, and everyone on my heels of Serena, especially, and on just everything. It's like, oh my God, she's going to retire. Or some people had other speculations, like she was pregnant, or that she was going to switch nationalities, which I actually thought was a plausible guess from people because of how long she's lived in the U.S. and because she was about to do this Ukraine yeah. exhibition. Actually, I thought it would have been a really clear moment for that, potentially. I don't know if she has any interest in doing that. She clearly hasn't done it. Um, but anyway, she just announced she had a new podcast series coming out with Tennis Channel, and look forward to it coming soon. So it was uh, teasing people for a press release, and it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a funny moment in the in the, in the Twitters. All right, um, Bedosa, what do you make of Bedosa as a contender? I mean, she about it was just about what eleven months ago, ten months ago that she won in New Wells, a uh, big U.S. hardcore tournament. Can she do anything here at this tournament, Bedosa? She's not being talked about. I mean, she's not, I mean, she's not being talked about because since she's, you know, since the start of the year, she's had a, she struggled yeah. badly. She's lost early, you know, frequently, and you know, she struggled to kind of, especially, you know, and also on a surface like this, the fast hard court where you kind of have to impose yourself. She tends to, you know, slink back behind the baseline, and yeah. you know, so uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, she's a fourth seed. She can, she can do, she's capable of doing something, but. I think that's probably for good reason that people haven't talked about her because she hasn't kind of, especially also in slams, she hasn't yeah. had a big slam run and she hasn't shown that yet that she can can deliver on the big stages. I mean, this is the story of women's tennis in 2022, honestly, is that so many of the top 10 players have just not been bankable, honestly, outside of Shiantek. Like, it's been Shiantek and then kind of, and then Pagula, honestly, has been reliably living up to her ranking and she hasn't been the top 10 the whole time. And then golf has been pretty good but a lot of them other ones especially the ones who are like in Guadalajara doing well like your Contavites your Sabalenkas your Krejcikovas your Bedosas 
your Sakari at some point. They've just been way below their ranking. It's, it's just a weird sort of time when no one's really peaking, or not many people are peaking, that makes it a tough, uh, or not matching the rankings anyway, let's say, that really to a lot of like, chaos of the Open when top players go out, but the sort of power rankings are different, very different than the, the WTA rankings right now, I still I mean, think. I mean, yeah, we, we, we've talked about that a lot, that, yeah. that some of the, the, the best players in the world have all just dropped near yeah. us, so currently deliberating whether or not to pick it up. Not near enough. But we'll continue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we won't. Uh, but yeah, so I, I don't kind of remember what I was saying. Um, uh, the rankings aren't matching. And yeah, it's, I, I'm, we've discussed this a lot in terms of like um, Osaka and uh, Andreski. And, but the problem is um, those players haven't been delivering e- either. No. But far from it. So We'll get to Osaka soon. Yeah. yeah. And so, so it's just the, the, the tour's in a very weird, weird, weird spot in, in my opinion where some players are perhaps, you know, I, I don't, I hate to say it, but it feels like they're ranked above their ability, and yeah. and and that and you know being ranked second, third, fourth comes with um, certain pressures that those players haven't handled well. Ready yet. for? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, and I don't mean this is an interesting way to phrase it, but like, and we talk about this with number one a lot, right? Too, this has certainly come up in the context of Dinara Safin, another slamless number one, to use the phrase, but like. And there's a lot to be said also about how this is also tough. Very incrementally less, definitely less, much less so. But for someone along the lines of Annette Contivate, um, who got to number two without huge results at Grand Slams, or any results at Grand Slams no, to speak yeah, of, no. and, and did it sort of all a little bit on the periphery and hasn't really to prove herself on the biggest stages under pressure, to then have a number two slap next to her name is a lot of pressure and that she hasn't really... I don't want to say earned that pressure, but in most other times, her ranking points total would not be near number two. And so it's just like a weird confluence of things that come together that put these players in these heightened situations. And Sakri has talked about this, you know, being number three in the world, and she felt like a lot of pressure from that yeah. after Indian Wells. So and she, Bidosa, yeah. yeah, and, and Bidosa got to number two. And like, again, these are players who are honestly not household names, like among even some tennis fans. Sakri maybe, but I don't know. You have to watch, you'd have to watch slams to, if you only watch slams, I don't know if you know Bidosa very well. Or Contevate, for that matter. So, yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a tricky time in a lot of ways to be trying to look at a draw and make sense of it. Um, with that in mind, let's keep going. Uh, Carolina Pliskova, number twenty-two seed, is in this next session along with Belinda Bencic. Bencic opens against Andrea Pekovic, who's one other player who caught raised some eyebrows with a, a tweet that said the last dance above her uh, caption with her practicing at the U.S. Open. Uh, entirely possible this will be her last term as well. She hasn't spoken about that beyond that. I don't think. But uh, obviously, if, if it is that, it would be a lot of warm feelings and reminiscences about Pekovic uh, as a very popular, well-liked player in the press room, in the locker room, by fans. Uh, we have a lot of outpouring love for, for Petko, um, who is turning, I think, 35 this year. She's around the same age as me. She's an 87, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, Bencic would like fast courts. Fast hardcore could be really good for Bencic. Hey, what's up? Yeah, so that could be, this could be her, her half, honestly, to go if, she, if she's ready for it. And she's been mixed this year. Her results have not been great, but not been horrible. Um, this could be it for her. Uh, you know, someone else whose results have been mixed is Emma Raducanu, who's next here. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, you are being a bit of a British bubble. You think everything's about Raducanu, and it I, is for you. I, I understand oh, that I, professionally. I, I don't think everything's about Raducanu, but it is for me. But, that, that's the so, problem. So we were together, obviously, <laughs> in Cincinnati, where she had a remarkable tournament. The draw came out in Cincinnati. She was drawn against Serena Williams' first round. This was very exciting for me as I was driving to Cincinnati and got a bunch of texts all of a sudden from people who were commenting on this draw. Um, 
and yeah, it was. I was really glad that Serena got to play one of these very young generation stars who she was not guaranteed, and she's going to not get to play most all of them. Like she doesn't. She probably will never play Shvantec. She probably will never play you know any other names in the top half. And she hasn't played or even most of the bottom half. She won't get to play this tournament. Um, a maximum of probably we think a maximum of seven more players, and that's being generous. We'll get the chance to play Serena again. So anyway, um, Raducanu went out and bageled Serena. And then in the next set, bageled Azarenka and beat her six, six love six two. She was seventeen straight games. She was up six love six four six six love six four on, on Victoria. Six love four love. Six love yeah six love four love. Yeah, yeah and like so all of a sudden, Emory kind of out here hurting people again, and and that had to put a lot of good uh, nitrous in the in the hype tank for this tournament. How 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 are you seeing Raducanu now? And there's continues to be. I'll just say drama with you know with the with the wrist with crying during practice or some wrist issue that she's downplaying, but there's always something kind of going on with her. Like, what do you what do you expect from her in this in this tournament in this draw? I mean, where she's opening against Alexei Cornet, which is a tough first round. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's one. Of, I think it's one of the toughest first rounds you could get. You yeah. know, I've with Cornet. Surprise, Cornet's unseated actually. Yeah. But but the thing is, like, her, a lot of her, her best has also been at slams, and she hasn't you know performed as well. You know, she's. This is actually, I was looking, this is Cornet's best ever slam year so far. Mm. First time she's ever made two fourth rounds in, in a season. And she, obviously she made her first ever quarter final. Yeah. She's beaten a top 20 player at every every slam so far. Ostabenko, yeah. Muguruza, Hallett, um, and Shriante. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, you know, <laughs> and, and if, if that wasn't already quite ominous, Cornet jumping on Twitter, re- retweeting the kind of the... The image of, of their match and saying I wouldn't miss it for the world oh. <laughs> was, just, was extremely ominous for, for you know if I was Emrodikani reading and I think it's just a bad match of Emrodikani too because Cornet is someone who makes matches so physical yeah and she prolongs rallies and granted maybe these fast conditions will really help Emrodikani she can keep points short but like Emrodikani and the question marks are still around her physicality and just like her durability yeah. I think it's the real questions, and that's been the the painful learning curve for her this year. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, it should, I mean, it should be fun. everything involving Alice Cornet is fun, and this should be no different. I think, I guess, from from Radaganu's perspective, obviously the good thing is that she did play very well in, in Cincinnati, and and she in the end she was beaten by what I thought was a really really good Pe- Pegula. Like she yeah. just she slammed the door shut. She didn't. Radaganu played fine, and I think she was quite satisfied, well happy with her performance, but she was I played. You know, Radakan has spoken about how, uh, you know, believe however much you want. But, but she said that Cincinnati was the first time she felt like she'd actually just swung and attacked and, and played attacking tennis this year, really, with the freedom, something approaching the freedom that she had yeah. since last year. Well, I think it was meaningful that she played against Serena, and it was maybe maybe her first match of the year where she wasn't the main attraction. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure, yeah. where, like, where she's out there and people are there to see Serena. And Emma was kind of funny, like, like, vocally like processing or verbally processing what she was saying and people were there to see Serena and that was that was fine like I under I, I understood that like she was sort of working yeah. her way through it it was like different for her yeah. and I'm not trying to make her sound like conceited or anything but she was sort of like I'm not used to, in her career it's been so outsized about her all the time which is not her fault um, anyway because she's just a victim of her own success in some ways if she loses to Cornet or early in this tournament she will fall like around 80 in the ranking something like that um at probably at best um what do you think that'll do to radicani i mean so so she's actually kind of preempted this by talking about it often and saying she 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 doesn't care yeah she'll start back if she needs to yeah yeah. and and i mean 
what it should do is nothing. It should be, you know. She still be a 19-year-old in the top 100. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. and, and if, you know, the, as, as people have said many times, if, these, these girls are violent. But <laughs> if, if people, um, if she'd been ranked 80th, you know, just over a year after she kind of started playing, you know, on the main tour, then that would that would be a really good rise. So. And honestly, having, for me, the Cincinnati result being... Doing, winning 17 games in a row against Serena Williams and Victoria Azarenka, it's like, it kind of, for me, and maybe I'm wrong, for me it kind of makes her year. It's like, that was her moment. That was like a cool thing she did in 2022. I understand these women are not at their peaks, but they're both future Hall of Famers, and for her to go out there and have footage of herself just yeah. rolling them, like destroying these people, and like, we'll talk about Serena and what that match did to Serena when we get to Serena. Cause that was that was something. Um, but yeah, like I think... I'm trying to be like really, really soft or generous with Raducanu yeah, yeah. and and accommodating and yeah I I so I just I think she should be super proud of herself already and you go do whatever Emma and and and, and just in general I think I, what I've learned from covering tennis is that you know a, a career is long and she has plenty of time to yeah. you know maybe she won't maybe that maybe the, maybe that was it yeah maybe it's the, the anomaly in in her career and and she'll never. You know, do anything like that, which isn't, I mean, necessarily isn't a bad thing. You know, it's not a disgrace. Or maybe she, or maybe she'll be like a Michael Chang who wins, you know, like a, a Grand Slam really young, yeah. and then it's like a top player who never gets back yeah. to to being that kind of breakthrough. Doesn't have that magical tournament again, and that's also fine. There's a lot of like fine out. Like she, I just think, I just think Emma's like, I know there's pressure around her, and I understand this is sports work. I say this about like Federer and stuff all the time. People don't buy it, but like these players and Radu Kanu already is also like she's set for life like everything is gravy like she's good it's a good meaning like set she's fine yeah. she's gonna be fine but I just sorry yeah. I just finally I just think she has plenty of time if, if she yeah. is going to, if does achieve something then she has plenty of time so Radu Kanu Radu Kanu Cornet is I think the mark is kind of the best match of the first round in a lot of ways the most interesting um, but the marquee one just in terms of name recognition value is also in this little section of the draw it is number 19 seed Daniel Collins, this year's Australian Open finalist against Naomi Osaka, the two-time US Open champion. Um, this was, this is interesting, but also like you kind of have to like take it with a bunch of like question marks. It's gonna be a night match on Ash. It's gonna be a big marquee match, um, but it's also just confusing because these two players have each only won one match since the French Open began, one each. Collins made the second round of the French Open, lost to Rogers. Uh, and then hasn't played much since, and she's had various issues. And then Osaka um, lost with her, had her Achilles injury, but she played the French Open, lost there to Anisimova, pulled out of Berlin, pulled out of Wimbledon, played San Jose, won a match against uh, Zhang Qinwen, Qinwen, Anna, used to use all her names each time, and uh, and then uh, played a fun match in the second round against Coco Golf, lost four and four, but it was like pretty competitive and pretty fun and, and just a likable feel-good match in a lot of ways for both of them. It was really cool. And then she goes to Canada and, and plays a plays a pretty flat match and retires with an injury against Tenepi in the first round there. And then she goes to Cincinnati and loses to Zhang Shuai in the first round. It looks very flat in Cincinnati, honestly. Um, yeah, what to expect from... And then she was impressed today. Um, and I gotta say, like, she didn't, like... She wasn't talking with much confidence she was pretty relatively downbeat about just like her her tennis and her sort of potential in this way that's and she's i think she's very revealing and press always one thing i like most about covering her and writing about her um but yeah i i don't get the sense that she's like feeling it right now and i don't think collins is feeling it either so this is like one of those matches it's like great on paper it might actually be kind of 
has potential to be pretty pretty yikes. I don't know. What do you think? Is it going to be good? What do you say from this match and these players? Um, I think that um, we'll, we'll, I think we'll if it's a I think it's a big moment for Osaka given that given how her year has gone and, and how you know things have gone just haven't gone as as she had would have liked it. What what we know about her is that when she tends to have a, when she has a challenge when she has a tough match, you know. Um, she, she often rises to it. You know, it, it seems like... I think it's actually a good draw for her yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Someone she knows, the big name, it'll be said, a big yeah. court, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be... Isn't the night match on, yeah. on, on Tuesday? Second night match, yeah. yeah. It's a night match, second night match. But, so so this is a chance for her to to, to go out in, in a big stage and, and really perform. Um, so there's an opportunity there. If she if she can't and if, if she kind of loses quite meekly again the same way... As, as the match against Zhang in um, Cincinnati, which was really, I thought, disappointing just in terms of her level and what she was able to bring. Um, I, I mean, I think she will have to kind of just just, just take a beat. Well, not take a beat, just just think, just sit with herself and, and just think about how she gets back to where she wants to be. It's also just interesting in general because, I don't know, Given how she performed, right, you know, right at the as she kind of came back, we, as the tour came back from COVID, and and how she did, she won two slams without really playing much else in between them. You know, she she won the US Open, took the rest of the year off, and, and then came back and won Australian Open in 2021. You know, it, it, we, we I don't know, she did develop that kind of almost Serena esque kind of or in, just in the or just in the sense that it almost seemed like she could just turn it on when she wanted to. Yeah. And we've kind of, it's been clear, obviously she's had injuries and, and other issues this year, but, you know, if, if she can't perform here, then, clear, you know, clearly that's not the, not the case. And, you know, she'll have to, you know, as, as, as long as she's kind of still motivated to do so, she'll have to find another way to kind of bring out her, her, her best form again and, and get back to where she should be, which is as one of the best players in the world. The Serena com- comparisons obviously are constant with Osaka and, and understandably so. Um, I've heard people talk about if, if she might be in the same sort of like circa 05-06 era Serena moment of her career where she's won her first sort of block of slams. This is a this is an optimistic take on Osaka. She's won her first block of slams. People are getting critical of her not winning as much. Tell me if she's focused enough on tennis. If she has too many outside distractions. What's going on with her, you know, sort of discussing those sort of off-court pursuits as a negative thing. Um, and and but at the same time, she's just sort of regrouping, and maybe she'll come back stronger. It's just a collapse. We don't know, and she doesn't know either. She said something in press today, where she said like, "I don't know if I'll ever be as good as I was before." That's a lot that sort of jumped out. Like, yeah. oh, that's that's a not the kind of thing she usually says. Um, so yeah, so we'll see where she is, and I do think it's an interesting match. And yeah, throwing her into a night match on on Ash is sort of wake up call. Uh, it'll be interesting how she responds to that that moment. And, and I'll just say kind of same thing I said about Rodriguez though that there's there's time left for her. She's 24 years old. But you know, but I mean, that's you know, it's what what has happened this year isn't you know, isn't the end of the world. No, it's not over. You know, she can, she's more than talented and you know, capable enough to to, to turn this around and quite quickly. And we know how things can turn around in tennis, so you know, we'll see. I believe over on court six, two courts behind us, NCR mascot Bob Vandeslap is practicing. I'm just going to point that out uh, for listeners who can hear that ball and think that sounds like Bob. It is Bob. Uh, so so good for you and good listening there, um, and then Osaka potentially could play Raducanu in the third round. It should be so much fun, and I would that would be very marquee if that does happen. I'm not sure it'll happen, but it would be very cool if it did. 
um, the last few US Open champs playing against each other at the US Open. Um, that's the kind of thing that women's tennis does not produce that much with the sort of ways things work out, but it's the kind of thing that should be happening in the sport to kind of plant the seeds of those potential rivalries or matchups uh, to have the actual stars align in the sport. It's, yeah, it's, 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 elus- it's elusive. We got to pick up the pace. I know we're going very slow and granular. It's still first half, so let's move along. I mean, I want to talk, the- talk quickly about Elena Rubakina, who's the next name on the draw. Rubakina, the Wimbledon champ, um, was complaining a lot in press in her opening press conference here uh, about just not feeling like she's getting the treatment of Wimbledon champion. Um, were you sympathetic to that? Let's keep it snappy. I mean, I I, I understand it. You know, yeah. the, starting with winning Wimbledon and not gaining any points and seeing your ranking actually drop afterwards, yeah. going from twenty, you know, down to twenty twenty three ish to twenty five, it's not fun. No, nor is playing on you know out of courts and and you know that kind of thing. You know, you're, part of part of winning assignment yeah. is that you're supposed to get more kind of The thing I'll say about the outer courts and again just keeping this all is that <laughs> there are so many slam winners women's tennis exactly, right now yeah. so when she talks about like I was playing Muguruza we were on court four it's like honestly Muguruza doesn't have that much cachet right now and there's this many other slam champs in the draw and they're actually in Cincinnati there were a ton of matches between slam champs that happened in that tournament even in that on that day then there was like one day with like three different slam versus slam champ matches the riches are spread very thin and it's not that different than what happened to um, there's a court treatment that happened to Barbara Krejcikova was not getting major court assignments a lot. And when Kirchikova talked about it, she I, I did a story with her about it last year at the US Open, actually. She was more sort of positive about it. She said, she's like, I want people to want to see me. I want to be the star attraction. I want people to come to watch me on the main stadium because I like what I do. And I'm one of the best. I want to sort of have that presence, that stage. Not like the more Rebecca comes, just sort of like, I deserve this already. Give it to me. Why aren't I getting yeah. it? You know, so those are different sorts of notes. And, and it was just interesting because I feel like Rebecca is not someone we, most people knew super well. Uh, I not talked. To, I talked to her maybe once or twice in press before Wimbledon this year. Not not tons. Um, so just getting to know her is uh, interesting. And, and I just say in in general for you know if 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 that's happening after one slam, then it should be motivation to win more, yeah. right? And and separate yourself from all the those others. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people parked at one. Yeah. Right now. Okay. There's so many names in this. I want to keep moving. But Venus Williams is here. She's 42 years old. Good for her for showing up with the wild card. She plays Allison Van Oyvink. Could play Rabak in the second round. Uh, Venus looked sharp in her first set in Cincinnati against Carolina Pliskova. Uh, Pliskova was, was impressed by this and surprised. Um, Pliskova said, honestly, she thought she had no business losing to a 42-year-old and was confused why this was close, um, which is the typical Pliskova bluntness we all love. Um, anyway, uh, Venus, Van uh, is a winnable ish. It's a good draw for her, probably, but I don't, I don't see her winning much, but it's nice to see her here, and I'm really excited she's in doubles with Serena. And just, it's just, I don't know, it's just fascinating and just interesting to see that we're at this point where 42-year-old Venus is almost seeing off her younger sister into retirement. <laughs> and it, that doesn't seem to be... Venus, Venus should be, like, totally wearing a shirt, like, on court. It's just, I will bury all of you. Like, <laughs> honestly. Like, she's outlasted so many yes. This is the 25th, 25th US Open for her. I mean, you know, not just played all of them, but, like, 25 years since her first US Open in 97, she made the final. Now, 2022. That's, that's ludicrous, y'all. Um, Erin Sebelang is in here, too. She has not played great. Um, she could get Kai Kanepi second round. That's a rematch up there. I'll show you another match. We're gonna move on. Another name to the bottom half. Simona Halep is here. She's number seven seed. I think she's actually a very. She might have a pick to win this tournament. I think Halep, you know, winning Canada, uh, consistency. She's very motivated. She's played well at Wimbledon. Um, she's in this weird situation with Patrick Mortagli, which is getting a lot of attention, making people side eye constantly. There's just I will say there's a lot of people like being what is going on there. It's the general buzz, of just sort of that dynamic and the way that she's really foregrounded Patrick and the way that he's done all this social promotion with her and constantly and stuff. It's been an interesting, strange time in Halep's career. People have known her for a long time. It's been a different, very different chapter, a very different vibe around Simona. But the tennis has been good. 
and she seems happy in, in, in this way from what we can tell and minus the panic attack of the French Open and um, yeah uh, it's it's she can win this uh, she opens against Daria Snigur of Ukraine uh, could get Jill Teichman fourth round a uh, third round rather uh, golf potentially in the uh, fourth round or, or keys it's a it's, it could be a fun third round match golf and keys um, golf kind of getting the full star treatment here she's like on ESPN magazine big feature New York Times magazine big feature like a lot of big stuff for golf she's kind of the, the media pick for star of the tournament she's on the billboard on the road in uh, to the tournament on the highway from Manhattan uh, yeah uh, I think Halep there's no one I look at in this draw and think oh yeah they'll beat Halep that's my kind of thought and we get to see who gets to the final who gets momentum but like through like the first kind of like if I'm picking I'm picking Halep in this tournament how do you feel about Halep I mean, I, she's clearly positioned herself um, to be, you know, as one of the top top contenders, you know, and she can certainly win this title, especially, you know, Wimbledon semi-final, winning in Canada, and yeah, I, I think she has to. Obviously, I think there's another step she'd have to go to to get there. It, it, it's playing, you know, attacking the, the, the type of tennis she played when she won, you know, Wimbledon. Yeah. You know, and especially in in these conditions, as I, as I said earlier, fast conditions. You know, it's not been a great tournament for her historically. I mean, it's yeah. been okay, but it's been her, her worst time. Yeah, but so. she's she's had good results here. Though. It's yeah. not like she can't not, play yeah. here. Yeah, her least good time. Yeah, so. it's really yeah. She made the finals of all the other ones. She made only one yeah. semi here. Yeah, she lost to Panetta yeah. and kind of a shocker. Yeah. Um, all right. So elsewhere in this draw, uh, Beatrice Haddad Maya is one of the breakout players of the year. Up to the number fifteen seed, uh, very much improved. Uh, she opened against Ana Kanya. Let's see here. Uh, we get Andrescu second round in a fun one potentially, uh, or Harmony Tan. Uh, Caroline Garcia, who's the winner of Cincinnati, nice to see her break yeah. back through for a third uh, 1,000 title. Look, look, look forward to seeing her standing by the service line to crush your second serve. Exactly, she 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 was very much on in that tournament. It was cool to see uh, her coming through qualifying, being coming through qualifying to show that it can be done. Uh, Maria Sakari is the three seed in this section here. She opens against Tatiana Maria, who beat her at Wimbledon. Um, I uh, yeah, I think this is a good section for. Hadab Maya, I guess. I, I mean, or, or Garcia, or maybe Sakari, you know? I'll, I mentioned Allison Risk, Amitraj, who's the other seed in here, too. Um, I don't know. I think they're all going to lose to Halep, personally. Your thoughts? I'm just st staring at Andrescu, Bianca, and wait, waiting for something to happen, you know? Yeah, exactly. We've been talking about it the whole year, and it still hasn't happened. Yeah. You know, she... It's been it's been a disappoint. It's been it's great to see her back, yeah. but it's been like I thought the results would be a little bit better. Yeah, I thought she have a big run. She hasn't had the big run yet. No. I think it's there, yeah. and this sort of, she still has like the charisma and the moxie and stuff. But like the wins haven't been there. No. So we would like some wins here, Bianca. Uh, and Hadamaya is a good kind of confidence winner. She can get it. Uh, the bottom half, the bottom quarter of the draw. We'll start with Anjabur who wins against Madison Brengel. It's kind of a fun match uh, if you like slow hitting, yeah. um, which I do. Uh, could winner of that could play uh, Elizabeth Mandlik, who's the daughter of Han Han Hanuman Mandlikova, uh, in the second round. Uh, we're in the U.S. wild card uh, for her performance on clay here, or on hard courts here rather. Uh, Shelby Rogers is the 31 seed in the section as well, and uh, but I like this draw for Shabur. I think this is a good draw for Shabur. Good. Um, it's not been her best on hard courts, but um, but it should be good. And I would like her to get through uh, to play one of the Russians, either Kudermetova or Kasakina. In the uh, in the in the fourth round, I think that's a pretty open draw actually for both those Russians. 
Although Kudamatova is one of these players who's been very good at the tour level events and not doing much at the slams. Yeah, and Kudamatova has a great record against Osaka, um, I believe. Oh, so again, sorry, Jabir. So, oh, yeah, huh. and she beat Jabir in, in earlier in the hardcore swing. Okay. In San Jose, on the Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, it's not. It's been a, it's been a weird hardcore. Not weird, just not not as great hardcore swing for Jabir. And also, she kind of obviously missed the Australian Open, so it's kind of been an almost natural surface specialist this this year, just in terms of her results. But yeah, yeah. I think it's a good draw, good opportunity, and I think she's one of the players who who has broken through in the past few years, who has carried her ranking well. So I, I think I'd like I'd be interested to see if she can kind of just continue the win with the momentum. I don't know that we've talked about. Uh, I don't know we've talked about Darius Second on the show since she had her coming out more officially. Um, in uh, this video interview that came out during Wimbledon or after Wimbledon, um, where after Wimbledon, where she spoke about you know having her girlfriend and sort of homophobia she faces in Russia or that it's a president in Russia. Um, anyway, she's won two hard. She won Grand Prix today, right? Kasakina, I believe. So Daria won Grand Prix. Kasakina, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she, she played um, Daria Savinova. Oh, I didn't. Know. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've not been finding a lot of attention to Grand Prix, obviously, but good for them. Um, and and so she and Samsonova actually both won two tournaments on this U.S. on this U.S. Hard, or sorry, North American hardcore swing. So uh, good good tournament for the Russians on their sort of post ban uh, reawakening tour. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's Jabir. And now let's get to the main story of this tournament. Finally, and Samsonova is in the section two in, in the bottom uh, eighth of the draw. Uh, but let's just finally talk about Serena. I mean, I guess we should say Leila Fernandez, defending finalist. Now let's talk about Serena. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so Layla said we got we to gotta pick up the pace here. Sorry, Layla. Um, and Krejcikova and Trevisan and Evgeny Rodina, who's still playing, has not played in years and is in this draw. Incredible. Shock of the draw Incredible. is that Rodina's in it, honestly. Um, uh, Mukova, yeah, da, da 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 Serena Williams is here. We made it. We did a podcast when she announced her retirement. Uh, I will say, I, I think that, and I wrote this in a piece that's coming out Sunday for Slate, I think Serena... It took a big risk by coming back to the tour after being off so long in terms of just, and, and, and I was thinking, especially after reading the Vogue article, where she so clearly set the terms of her retirement and what she, why she was retiring and what she was doing. And then she gets out there on court in these matches, especially against Radu Kanu in Cincinnati, and gets kind of, I don't want to say humiliated, but I'm guessing that's the word Serena might use herself. Like getting bagel for only the 11th time in her thousands of matches career she eats a bagel and does it to a player who's good but had not been having a good year like you know like i think there's a lot of sort of 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 this trans putting on the line but stepping back on court and, and announcing this retirement and drawing the spotlight to herself and it's has not been easy for serena honestly at times in this stage of her career in this sort of uh beyonceification coronation phase of her career the last seven years where everyone's been wanting her to be, do everything and be everything and she's got everyone on her side hoping for her and pulling for her it's been tough for her in these big moments here and so I, I don't know what to expect from Serena I, I think the tennis has looked rough in Cincinnati especially she had a knee issue um, we know and that seems like she's moving more aggressively on in practices now which is encouraging and she can kind of leave it all out there in this final tournament um, along with the doubles and with Venus which is great to see that happen um, but yeah uh, I, she opens against Donka Kovinic I, which is a, a kind of perfect kind of litmus test match she's ranked 80th um which is kind of roughly where I feel like Serena would be ranked if she was a full-time player now, honestly, with these kind of results. If you extrapolate them out, maybe below that, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, what do you what do you make of Serena, and what do you expect from her last tournament here? And, well, I should add, while we're in the draw part, that if she wins, she could play a second round, uh, number two seed, Annette Contivate, who we mentioned earlier, is someone who's 
been nowhere near as good as her seed. Um, and it's a fascinating sort of challenge for Kanta as she gets there to have by far the most high-profile match of her career uh, come when she's already the number two. Um, so, I mean, I think the past few weeks have been very tough, just in terms of the performances, the losses, you know, even even with the kind of, the you know, even with the lowest expectations, I'm sure, she, you know, she didn't envision, you know, winning one match in her three tournament, singles tournaments since she's come back and just struggling, you know, as much as she has. Um, but I've actually kind of, at, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of what happens, it, she, she may go out in the first round. She may, you know, it, it may not be great. But I think it, it just kind of, it, we're, it will be, it will be, I don't know, it, it will, she will have give, put everything out there. Exactly. And she will be able to move on from that. You know, I think that will be quite a clean break in, in a way. I'm just saying, what I'm saying yeah. is she is putting it out there. Yeah, she is. Like, she is, like, she didn't, I, we thought that she was done. You know, circuit June when she didn't enter Wimbledon, and that entry list came out and she was not on it. It was like, oh, okay, it's over. Serena, she's not coming back. And so the fact that she has come back, you know, means means uh, is is uh, is brave. I'm saying, and, and great for her fans to get a chance to say goodbye. And Naomi was saying this as a number one Serena fan. She was just like happy to see get a chance to still be watching her, and that should be the sentiment. Um, but it's just tough because like when her draw came out and it was considered relatively easy, and people know to discount Contivate, right? And they immediately started talking about how Serena had a chance. And slow down is my is my take, honestly. Like, we just don't know. Like, I think it's unfair to her to set expectations anywhere, anywhere. Because she's 40 years old. She's won one match in the past 12 months. Like, slow down. Yeah. And and I just, I hope that she gets a good exit. I hope that wherever her last match is, that she has, that she goes out. Or I hope she wins, obviously, a match or two or three or four. Um, but, but I will also say, like, in current form, and who knows how much she's been improving in practice in the last week and she's been working with Renee Stubbs and doing different things and, and practicing practice sets with WTA players which doesn't do very often um, and some like top ones like Sakari was out there with her and some other players you can probably name Ons Duber yeah like um, you know like I the con- I'm almost like looking at like, if she loses to Kovinich like whatever like she she goes out it's just for proof she wasn't ready for this level at this at this age and so be it if she gets to Contivate then it's going to be sort of like this big test of like how much does like stage presence on this experience matter at this stage. That's what that match will come down to because Contevay is clearly the the sharper player at this stage of the career. Even like Contevay, we don't think it's a worthy quote unquote number two or you know a strong number two. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's really interesting, and I think Contevay should go in there honestly with the attitude Pliskova had against Venus and say like. I should win this match. I should not be losing to Serena at this stage of her career. Like, I respect her all you want, but like, I, I number two, I should win this match. Yeah. And use that as like good pressure. Make that pressure a privilege to read the plaque on the, on the stadium. You know, like, yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah. very intrigued by the Contivate Serena potential second round. They never play each other, also. But yeah, I just, I guess my, my just my conclusion is that if if she'd left, if she'd never come back after Wimbledon last year, I think she may have still had, you know, what she wrote in in, in the Vogue yeah. about her. Thinking, you know, believing she could still be out there, I think that may have still been in her mind. Whereas, you know, regardless of what happens, I think she, you know, assuming she is not gonna, well, it's Serena Williams, so I'm not gonna say she won't. But assuming she isn't gonna, you know, one final win, I think it's fine. I think I also think for her, for people who have followed her and watched her, that I think they do and probably should rather take this Serena kind of going fading out 
in the way she has, rather than I don't know a player who tried to go out on top. You know, I, I think this mm. is, is I think being a forty-year-old who who put everything out there and and isn't you know and and you know I think everyone kind of always wants the kind of Fred Hill ending, and I think it's okay that that that, that it, at the, the moment it's it's unlikely to happen. Me, I don't it's Serena again, but it's un, it's unlikely, and, and that's fine. Yeah, I also think it's interesting where she has this draw, right? Where she gets this very... Assuming that Contivite beats Jacqueline Christian in the first round and she plays Contivite in the second round if she gets there. Like, I do think it's this interesting situation where, like, that is going to be the barometer for, like, good tournament or not. Like, Kovinich, like... Maybe it's getting to that match, but beating Kovinich makes a good tournament. Oh, yeah. But, like, more objectively, I do think it is, like, beating Contivate or, like, really pushing Contivate into a third set or something like that, like... Yeah, I think people are just looking for one one more moment of Serena Williams yeah. being Serena Williams, and that would be a, a great ending. Yeah. And that would, well, that would be a great ending. And that's what like Agassi had against Baghdadis here yeah. in 2006, maybe the best corollary, uh, is you know when he won that great match against Baghdadis in the five-setter. And then, yeah, he lost in the next round to Benjamin Becker, and kind of who no one had heard of at that point. And that was the Serena equivalent of that would be uh, Rodina, uh, probably. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. Um and, you know, Parakova had her mom's run to the deep in this tournament quarters or fourth round here, whatever that was. Um, yeah, that was that was great. Um, all right, so that's the women's draw. Let's Made move it. the heck on yeah. and do the men quicker. The men's draw is one of the most open men's draws in memory. Uh, a lot of players are not here. Novak Djokovic famously not here because he did not get vaccinated, uh, stubbornly refusing to do so, and the U.S. was not going to bend those rules or, or change those rules. <coughs> Unlike Australia, who tried to make... A loophole for him and wound up snagging him in a net that caught him in a detention center for days. Anyway, Djokovic is not here. Zverev is not here. He's been the number two uh, player in the world uh, and came very close to getting number one. Nadal is here, um, but he has not only played one match uh, since retiring from or pulling out of this Wimbledon semifinals, he lost to Borna Chorich in the first match of Cincinnati. And then Chorich went on to win that tournament. Um, uh, Medvedev is here, but he has not been great as the number one. And so there's a bunch of people. I, get it's, I think it's a meaningfully more open tournament uh, in a lot of ways than the men have had in a long time. And just going in, coming in, the, the men's winners were, um, of the Masters events, were Carreno and Chorich. Like, no one was picking that. And so it's just, yeah, it's interesting. I don't think anybody has a lot of momentum here, and it could be interesting. It could be open. I hope we get something interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. To, to, to me, it's, it's, it's interesting just to see... To, to, I don't know. It, it's to see in a, in some way what what we've seen in the past in the WTA in terms of that, that openness and yeah. it's a it's a reminder to me that what 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 we've seen in the in the past years with the big three is the is the anomaly. I think people became, it's like that's that's the unique thing that's happening. I think people became so kind of you know used to seeing these three and four three and a half let's say players going deep so so frequently that that was the norm. Whereas you know, before Fred, Roger Federer, Tom, Thomas Johansson was winning, winning Grand Slam. And Costa. And, Costa and, and Kirk was making finals. Yeah. And like things used to, and yeah. Gaudio won a slam. Like these things used to happen. So I, some of that would be really, I think really healthy for men's tennis. Yeah. I also will say though, that I feel like every time we've counted him out, Rafa's just won the tournament this oh, year. Sure, yeah. And so Rafa is still very much, I think the pick, my yeah. pick to win the tournament, even with going 0-1 on hard courts. Like, because he's just, every time he shows up, he's winning this year, essentially. Yeah. Um, all right, so draw. Daniel Medvedev opens against Stefan Kozlov, who got in late uh, uh, into the direct entry after 
two players pulled up before qualifying began. Um, or he was the first one in late when uh, Zverev pulled out uh, on the day before qualifying or in the hours before qualifying. And then also Opelka pulled out and let Jack Sock in. Anyway, but I was watching that because Djokovic did not pull out, which meant one fewer player got to play qualifying, da-da-da, you know, broken dreams, so on. Shout out to Paul Martin Tiffon, who was here waiting for Djokovic to pull out and never, never got to play. Got to see Rafa. He got to pr- see Rafa practice, so he was kind of happy about that. But it was a, yeah. So, so where, where is Daniel Medvedev right now? So Daniel Medvedev, in terms of what, what, what where is he? Where is he in his career? Where you know he's the one number one. You know, I think he actually is. You know where he is? He is. He's good. I think the straw is good, or it's in, it draw, good for the first three rounds, and then he gets Nick Kyrgios eventually fourth round. But Medvedev can win this tournament. Like Medvedev is absolutely someone who's on the short list of potential contenders here, just by default almost. Like I mean, he's defending champion. He's not had good results this year at all. I think he's only made what like one, like semifinal of a big tournament or something. He's just had since the Australian Open final. Like he's just been really rough. <clears throat> like honestly, like a lot of the sort of um, players on, in the war affected countries have been this year. I don't know if that's a factor for him or not, but it's been the results have been bad for most all those players. Um, so yeah. So anyway. Um, he opens against Stefan Kozlov. Uh, Kozlov's U.S. Open main draw debut. Um, Going to be on Ash. Fun for him. That's a good matchup for Medvedev. Um, as Mozart is the number one. Uh, the Basilevich or potentially Ben Shelton, who's the big breakout player of, of Cincinnati, uh, the American college player for University of Florida, just turned pro. Uh, be Casper Rude, the number five seed in uh, in Cincinnati, and yeah, he is uh, one to watch. Nineteen years old. Very athletic, you know, sort of charismatic player. Lots of like, there's a lot of like good feeling, and just seems like a good dude uh, from my interactions with him. And other people's interactions with him more, more meaningfully. More excited and about I'd also ben Shelton. Yeah, I'd also note um, Wu Yibing, um, the 2017 boys champion here, who yeah, who kind of you know initially did struggle to back it up. He he was away. I think he didn't play for a while because of injury and COVID, and you know, yeah. being from China, being from China. But now now he uh, um you know he didn't travel as much. Um, but he's won a ton of challenges this summer. You know, yeah. he's, he's rising fast and you know eased into the, the main draw. And this is you know playing Basilash really in the first round is at, at the moment is a is an opportunity. So it's, yeah. it's cool to see him. Yeah, Basilash really, uh, who's has continuing domestic violence uh, hearings going on right now in Georgia. There's plenty of Georgian media coverage if you want to wade into that. But it's something that's going on uh, for him as well. Um, Next section, uh, Nick Kyrgios is here uh, against uh, Thanasi Kokonakis. Uh, much more te- some discussion recently about how it's Thanasi, not Thanasi, what people say apparently, but Thanasi is the way to go, with this on his own pronunciation of it and how Nick says it as well. They play each other first round, uh, first meeting for them in a long time, and uh, yeah, uh, they're a night session on Ash, which is interesting. Um, I would not have picked that match, but I understand that it is. I just think it's going to be a wild tone shift after Serena, especially if Serena like, loses. Then go to a curious show right after. It's, I don't know. It's 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 odd to me, but uh, you know, yeah. I would have personally put team there against Cranio. Yeah. But anyway, Curios uh, can win this tournament. I think he's in the shortlist. I think Curios is meaningfully a shortlist player. I mean, he made the final Wimbledon and won in won Washington. Like he did his, you know, he, the reps are good. I think he's. I think he's in the shortlist of this open draw. I think he is. He, he clear, I mean, clearly he called off in the mar- following Masters, um, but you know, clearly, I mean, it's a long list, and he's in it. Yeah. Uh, there's that aforementioned match I thought should have been on uh, Stadium. Karina Busta, who won Montreal, uh, his first Masters event, very emotional win for him. A very open field in Montreal. That draw really opened up wide, and he beat. Uh, who did he beat in the final? He beat uh, Hercatch. 
in the finals? Yes, yes. her catch in the final. I can't remember which was semi and which was final. Her catch in the final. Um, and Dan Edmonds in the semi. Yeah, a very wide open tournament. Um, he uh, gets uh, Dominic Team, who's a 2020 US Open champion. Uh, has not played the US Open since winning that tournament because he pulled out last year. Played in front of no fans yeah, in 2020. Didn't, didn't even get to play in front no, of a single fan. And now he's getting in uh, on court 17. Anyway, I thought that should have been on Ash. I'm disappointed by that. But whatever. Uh, winner of that match, uh, which I would expect to be Carreno. All the team is showing some signs of life in the summer. Not great, but better. I mean, yeah, but, but uh, it was tough for him in Winston Salem on, on hard. He, you know, he was beaten quite easily by Jack Draper. Had some, but he, but he, issue. but he beat. Uh, he won a long physical match against JJ Wolf in the first round of yeah. Winston Salem, and but was then, now a top hundred player. But then Dimitrov retired. Again. And Dimitrov retired against so, him, but yeah. But, but um, it's it's, 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 it's Dominic trending game. up. It's better than it was sure, in, yeah. in the beginning. It's and it was rough. Um, and then could the next player could get uh, Bublik or Gaston. That's a fun first round match actually. Bublik Gaston. I would watch that. Uh, and then Alex Dimitrov is in here as well. Um, yeah, and then the high seed in this in this eighth of the draw is Felix OJ Aliassime, who's number six, made semifinals here last year, uh, his first Grand Slam semifinal. Uh, opens against a Swiss American Alexander Richard in the first round. Uh, Jack Draper, the aforementioned, is in here as well. Yeah. Karen Kachanov. I like Felix to get through to this uh, quarter. I think or Carreno. I one of them. I'm inter- I'm interested to see. And I'm not just saying this because I'm British, but Draper versus Felix yeah. would be a good match. And- you know, no, I, like Dra- I think Draper's. Yeah, I have a lot of time. It, for Draper. It's actually it's, it's it's funny how like relatively little hype Draper's got, considering how well he's doing and how he's showing that he can be a kind of you know he's a, he's already you know he's rising up the rankings and he could be a top twenty even top ten player in the future. But because there's there's already Radicanu. there's Raducanu, there's you know there's you have to talk about Nori. He's and Murray, so well. yeah, and Murray's still around as well. Yeah, so he kind of doesn't you know. He's not got the, the, the famous... Not the hype you'd expect. Yeah, but that's good for him, I think. He's, yeah. he's been able to just go about his business, and, and yeah, he's, he's doing well. And Stefan Sitsipas tried to peg him. That was, that was yeah. wild. Did he, he look like Kyrgios from a certain angle or something? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Anyway, speaking of Kyrgios, one well, last dangling thought. Kyrgios Medvedev, essential fourth round. Um, who would you pick in that one at this point? Kyrgios beat him in Canada. I'd, I'd say Medvedev in... In these conditions, best of five. Yeah, I would think so too. But I would watch it. I would be intrigued. All right, next quarter draw is the aforementioned Stefano Sitsipas, who did try to peg Jack Scraper. Um, Sitsipas has uh, had been okay. He made the final of uh, Cincinnati. I feel like it's hard. Like I don't know. I talk about Sitsipas's year like it's disappointing, but like he's kind of held altitude as being a top five player. He hasn't like dropped, but he hasn't had. He hasn't improved. I mean, meaningfully, I, yeah. I don't think. I mean, I think he's he's performed pretty well at Masters events. Yeah, it's just the, you know, he, he obviously made the semi-final in, in January, which was extremely good considering his um, his surgery in the yeah. season. I'll show you an opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do what did I say? You said January. Yeah, I'm just I mean, clarifying. Yeah. I'm clarifying even the, yeah, the, yeah. the Grand Slam. Yeah. Um. So, um. But yes. Yeah, so I, I think, I think that's probably the, the source of the disappointment. It's not by no means has it been a. A dreadful, terrible year, but but the thing is, also there was space to bring yeah, exactly. through. There's an opportunity. There's here. been space, yeah, and like, and he's someone who has been healthy enough and like is good enough to, you would think, have taken advantage of, and he hasn't yeah. quite done like that. He could win this tournament. He's on the you know, medium yeah. list yeah. Of, of people. Maybe you know, probably meaningfully about the same as, as Medvedev. Or no, below Medvedev, but um, but he's someone who's in there with a chance. And he beat Medvedev in Cincinnati. That was yeah. a big win for him. Uh, it's about to open against Daniel Alahi Galan. Uh, they could get uh, Sonigo or Thompson, Maxine Cressy in here as well. Um, Soren Ballier. Nishioka is in here as well. 
Uh, Great Washington Run. What's that? It was like Great Washington Run from Nishioka. Always enjoy yes. a Nishioka Run. Yes, Nishioka Run to the final was, was great. He was, I had him on my list of uh, uh, desirable US Open champions that I made early in the summer. So Nishioka could win the US Open. That'd be great. I was still re- reaffirming that. I'd still be here for it. He's honestly top of mind. It'd be pretty great. Putting it out there in the universe. Uh, Andy Murray in here against uh, Francisco Sarandolo. I think it's a good draw for Andy Murray against Sarandolo, who made the semifinals of uh, Miami, but I think his ranking is pretty inflated, honestly, at 24. It doesn't feel like he's been consistently that good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And then Berrettini as the third round, not bad. Yeah. And Sarandolo performed really well on the clay after Wimbledon. So, and, and hasn't performed as well on hard, and hasn't performed as well on, on hard course, like on the US hard course. So, certainly an, an opportunity for Murray, who's, who's had a, I should say, has had just a really weird, um, uh, North American hardcore swing because he keeps on getting cramped. He's, yeah. he's cramped in like three of the four uh, tournaments he's played, and he talked about it quite a bit. Those were very loud handshake. Yes, the double practice yeah. of Lucas Kubo and friends is over. Yeah, and they're not like singles handshakes. You, you can hear them. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so it's been a weird kind of, you know, it's been tough because he, you know, he keeps on cramping. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. Berrettini is here as possible third round for Murray. Uh, Berrettini lost in his first match in. Uh, Cincinnati to Tiafo was a good match, uh, sort of a marquee match of the day that Serena was supposed to play, but wound up not playing. Uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see what happens uh, there. That's a possible good section. It's been, it's, it's, it's been tough for Berrettini since coming back from COVID, obviously. He had he, he had his in, the injury earlier in the year, and he came back and won two two titles at the, on the grass courts. It was brutal, getting yeah. COVID on the evil Wimbledon like that. Yeah, yeah. And that so, was terrible. And so that's been tough for him, but, you know, he's... He's shown that he can really he goes deep in slams. He, yeah. he knows how to navigate a slam. Good slam so, player, good US Open player. Yeah. He's actually on the medium list of, of contenders, I think, here too. I think he can win this tournament. Sure. Uh, also, uh, Taylor Fritz is I think also on that medium list as well, the Indian Wells champion, uh, who's had a up and down year, beat Kyrgios in a good win in Canada uh, Cincinnati. Um, but has been, you know, up and down and had some various injury issues. He's played through a lot of them. He's always played through injuries, Taylor Fritz. It's kind of his signature thing at this point in his career. Uh, he opens against Brandon Holt, who is the son of Tracy Austin. There was a lot of uh, good feelings for Tracy Austin seeing her happy in the stands as her son qualified. 24 years old, Brandon Holt played college tennis at USC. Um, Taylor Fritz is the high seed in this section. Uh, scanning down a bit is, well, Bodic Van uh Bob Vanislap, who's still over there? Uh, no, he's not. Uh, uh, is, is here. Uh, yeah, I think this is a good draw for, for Fritz and possibly Casper Ruud in the uh, fourth round. Will not like a fast hard court, no. I wouldn't think. No, and, and this is a big. I think it's just a, in general a, a big moment for Fritz. The stakes are high. <laughs> um, inside joke, um, but but I think he, yeah, he, he comes. You know, he he was not this time last year before the U.S. Open swing. He was, you know, he was. I think he was outside of the top. Off the top of my head, he was outside of the top forty, and you know, wasn't playing his best tennis. And in the past year, he's obviously just risen and risen and risen. Now he's here in front of his own crowd, his own slam. It's, it's a big moment. And, and you know, he's, he's playing consistently well. So we'll see how, how, he, how he fares. You really did that. Stakes are high. All right. Uh, Hubert Hercatch is uh, the top name in the bottom half of the men's draws. We move through this relatively quicker uh, by necessity. Uh, opens against Oscar Otto, who's been out hurt for a while, and people thought might pull out, so I don't know how Otto's doing. Uh, could play San Query in the second round. San Query, I think, I'm guessing, there's sort of, and I maybe shouldn't even say this, but there's been sort of talk that this could be Sam's last tournament. He got a wild card in, despite being ranked very low. Um, he's in his mid-30s as well, so we'll see if, if Query is another player. Also, speaking of that, shout out to uh, Christina McHale, 
who very quietly uh, had a little retirement ceremony after she lost in qualifying here and, and retired. And there was no sort of build-up to this. And for someone who was like a top player in American, I was surprised. And I don't want to say I felt betrayed, but I was like, why did no one tell me? <laughs> Christina McHale. I would have gone out and clapped for Christina McHale. I, I would have too. Yeah. But she's been, a, a, she's been there. She's yeah. been a presence for a, a long time on the tour. Yeah, yeah just so. someone who's just been a totally pleasant player to have around and to watch and just been a good, solid part of the tour as a player council member now and just sort of like a considered a, just a good citizen of the of the tour and uh yeah, yeah she, so. she, she got about her business quietly and yeah you know, she did and she was someone who there's a lot of invitations for back in the day like she i remember writing a story back in 2012 i think it was before the u.s open actually about these two new youngsters sloan stevens and christina McHale, who were coming up for the u.s and obviously sloan stevens went on to do what she did and christina McHale did not quite but uh yeah um anyway that's about Sam Curry, um, who's also who had an incredible career and was a top. I think got to eleven or thirteen in the rankings. Could have, should have been a top ten player. Had like peak query is really high. Uh, what he did to win Acapulco, beating a lot of great players at that tournament, including Nadal in the final. Uh, he's had you know obviously beat Djokovic, just stopped the Djokovic the Nole Slam in twenty sixteen uh, in that third round there. Like peak query is was was great, and he's been a was had a great run and we'll have a lot statistically he'll, he'll be, he's better than people give him credit for yeah. with Sam Query for sure Hercatch on the on the list yes, yes. Hercatch is on the medium list for yeah. sure I mean yeah. like yeah he I mean he can be the Montreal final and like he he's shown that he can go deep in I thought Australia. he could win Wimbledon this yeah, year same. Yeah, that was very very disappointing yeah. in the first round but he's a great player I think and has the ability to go deep so yeah um uh, Yannick Sinner is in this next section. It's the 11th seed. Uh, opens against Daniel Altmaier. Grigor Dimitrov is in here as well. Dimitrov retired with an injury in, in Winston-Salem. Not sure what his prognosis is, but Sinner also is on the medium list, I think, of contenders. I think he has to be. If, again, if, if we're not saying this is Nadal's tournament, then it gets interesting. And there's a lot of players who are who are in the mix. And I think Sinner, who's working with Darren Cahill now, I think it's a good hire for him. Yeah, I think I think Sinner will, has potential to do well in this kind of service. I think, uh, you know, this kind of fast hardcore could be really good for Sinner. Um, so I look forward to seeing what he can he can do. Marin Cilic, also I think on the medium list of contenders here at number 15 seed. Uh, Cilic, uh, 2014 US Open champion, he can he can do this, and it could be good. Um, Dan Evans is the Montreal semifinals is also in this section, and then there's another kind of shortlist person, probably has to be, and Carlos Alcaraz, who's the number three seed here throughout this quarter. Alcaraz obviously won Miami breakout event, also in the semifinals of Indian Wells, and made one Madrid as well. It's kind of parallel to Shviantek. Tommy, what do you make of Carlos Alcaraz's chance here? Can he win this tournament? Why or why not? And because he has, I think he has lost in altitude for sure. A lot like Shvantec. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they seem to be mirroring each other in a, in a way, in some way. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so, so with, with Al- it's been inter- interesting to see just Alcaraz over the past, um, just the past few weeks and, and months since you know he had obviously the blazing spring up until Roland Garros and until. And since then, kind of since the Zverev match, I guess, you know, you've seen how kind of the hype has put, put a target on his back. And, and particularly all these younger players, all of these players who... Like Sinner. Like Sinner, like... Musetti. Or, or, or Musetti, or, or players who were hyped before, like Zverev, yeah. really. They want him. They want to take him down. They want to be They want to be the guy. And and so they played really well against him. And, and he's like acknowledged that, that he knows that, he, you know, players are playing well against him. And I mean, you know, that, that I guess I think in, in a way this is good for him because the hype was crazy. The yeah. hype was mad. The hype was unbelievable, and and it doesn't really it does again as I said earlier in, with the women like it's a long it's a long career ahead, and it doesn't hurt to kind of just 
kind of dampened that a bit. And, you know, he's still out there playing. He's still, as I probably said on the last podcast, he's like one of the smilest tennis players I've seen. Like oh, he's, yes. He's, he just seems to be, and he, I, I enjoy it. Like, he seems to be he loving it. He seems genuinely life. happy. Yeah. Like he, Which he, you don't see much of in yeah, tennis. Yeah. You really don't. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> you really don't. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like you know just losing a few early tournaments has like destroyed his confidence yeah. or anything. And so I think he'll he'll be there. He'll put himself in the position. He'll play with high intensity and and he you know he might be able to discover some of that kind of magic again. You know, this time last year was obviously one of his kind of his breakout tournament. Really, well, it was his breakout tournament? Yeah. Reaching the quarterfinal, beating Tsitsipas, and you know, I, I think you know obviously he's he's a position where I think people consider him more vulnerable than he or he is more vulnerable than he was a few months ago but at any moment he can and it's, he has the talent and the ability to turn it on yeah. and so he's on and he's the a list. great big stage player yeah and this is a, and this is a, a, an opportunity so he's on the list yeah he's on the, I think he's on a short list too I glossed over uh, Born Chorich who won Cincinnati uh, great run for him <clears throat> really great cool story coming up at the ranking just happy to win a match against Uzzetti then beats Nadal yeah. beat some good players oh, that, that time too that's a, that was a crazy like we talk about it being open, but he kind of pieced together a crazy run, being just a series of seeds. Everyone he beat, it won a title this year. Yeah, and and, and after and after you know after beating Nadal in three sets, didn't drop a set. You know, you know he's obviously a, a player who's been who came on the tour really early, has, yeah. and it's been just cool, cool to see him kind of mature in, in the sense that you know he had, when he came on, he was quite you know he believed in his hype. He had that famous quote. Uh, when I'm when I'm good, I play like Djokovic. When I'm bad, I play like Murray, which is hilarious. But he, and he's kind of kind of, which which I really like. He kind of just almost owned up to it. He's like, you know, I, I kind of did believe my own hype now. Now, when I was younger, yeah. now you know, now I'm older, and you know, I have, you know, I've matured and blah 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 blah. blah. So it's good, great a great story, a feel good story, and, and it's good to see him back. I just honestly, he's one of like if I was picking, if I was ranking the Cincinnati draw in terms of who I thought had the best odds for that tournament, George would have been in my top thirty. Of the players in the draw like he was really like out of nowhere because his form had not been great he'd been injured his kind of playing on clay not great results yeah, and yeah. something to win a masters 1000 like that on against the field did really really cool great result for him to hang his hat on and you know great sort of moment for him there yeah so he could play alcaraz third round that'd be an intriguing match for sure um cam nori actually is a player who beat alcaraz in cincinnati really good match that cam nori won in the quarterfinals there uh, of that and Nori joked afterwards. They said, "I, I really wanted to beat Alcaraz. I thought I had to get a shot while while he was still young. Like, and if I was going to get a win over him, you need to do it soon because otherwise he'd be unbeatable soon." Which is the way people talk about Alcaraz. Um, but Nori, uh, I know you spent a bunch of time with in Cincinnati. Um, it's the only British reporter there. Like he, um, he's just been a solid top ten guy. Like he's been someone you know, he's kind of the Pagula of the, the ATP. It's just yeah, and it's just impressive how after, after he reached the semi-final of Wimbledon, obviously, and which yeah. is a huge, huge thing in itself, you know, being a British player and all of that, yeah. you know, alleged well, so you know, supposed um, pressure. Okay, I thought you were say allegedly British, which is <laughs> no, more, no, no, more no, controversial, no, no, but okay. No, no, no. <laughs> we we say as Elias Bedene was on the other. Yeah, corner, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, so he he handled that moment, and you know, he, he didn't get too high, or too, you know, he just continued. He. The thing that's impressed me is that he just has, you know, he, he's kept the same mentality, the same approach. Not, nothing's changed in the way he talks or acts or anything. And so, and he, he backed it up, you know, he made the final of Los Cabos, made the semi-final of Cincinnati. And, you know, if there's an opportunity, he'll, he'll put himself in the position to to um, to go deep again. You know, obviously, you know, there are players who can hit, kind of hit, at their best, hit him off the court. We know that. 
Yeah. But, you know, there's something for just being there and putting yourself in the... Alcaraz is one of them, and he could stand up to Alcaraz yeah. and, like, sort of outmaneuver yeah. Alcaraz. I thought it was really, really impressive. And, he, and he's improving. And, you know, the, those, the, the thing about Nori as well is that it just seems to be, like, gradually improving aspects of his game, you know, that allow him to be more to be yeah. more forceful and you know, proactive and all of that stuff. Also, just, like, a nice fellow. Yeah, cool guy. Just cool nice, guy. Nice guy, to, nice guy to be around. I don't know. I haven't covered him anywhere near as much as you, but, like, just pleasant to be around. Nice nice fellow. I think his tough draw, actually, is in the third round against Isner, who's unseated here. Um, that's the kind of match where it could just become small margins. And Isner I, is unseated, which is still surprising because he hasn't played tons, but I think he's in decent enough form. He beat Murray in a great match at Wimbledon. Uh, they played really, really well in. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Uh, Holger Runa is in here, too. I don't think he's playing as particularly well uh, lately. Uh, Andre Rublev is also in here. It's the number nine seed. We're, sorry, we're in the bottom quarter now, the Nadal quarter. Uh, Rublev, yeah, not not at his best. Shepovalov, not at his best either lately. And this is actually a pretty impoverished quarter. Our little section of the draw, honestly. No one in here is <laughs> playing particularly well. Maybe Hustler, I think, maybe he's doing well in, like, Winston-Salem or something, I want to say. Maybe. Anyway. yeah. yeah. This is not yeah. this is not where I watch matches in this section, to be honest. Uh, but good opportunity for Andre Rublev to get some momentum because there's no one here who he should lose to. And then if he gets to like a Nori, I think it's actually not a bad matchup for Rublev. He can he can maybe hit through Nori on some level. Um, so chance for Rublev, make it positive. Uh, and then we have this last section of the draw. Uh, Schwartzman is in here against Sock first. Uh, Tiafoe's in here as well. Uh, Kikmanovic, but by Rafael Nadal to finish. Rafael Nadal, number two seed. He's not lost at a slam this year. He is 19 and 0 at slams this year. Uh, obviously, withdrawing from Wimbledon semifinal. Can he? Should he? I mean, can he win this tournament? Like, why not? Yes, of course he can. Yeah, I of mean, he, he can. he's the, he's my pick. He's my pick. Uh, probably, yeah. I, I mean, he has a good draw. He has a draw. You know, it's funny. You know, he lost to Borna Cioric in in the second round of of Cincinnati, which I mean, it wasn't it, even at the point it wasn't a disaster. Like he he wasn't great but he played fine and George played well but it, it looks a hell of a lot better now at the, yeah. at the end of the week you know and he obviously had um, abdominal it, it, torn, torn abdominal muscle and um, you know has had to kind of he's talked about how it's there's still like some sort of discomfort in terms of just in terms of scar tissue blah 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 yeah. but I mean the bottom line is that um, he, he I think he has a decent a, a good draw enough draw to to gain to gain momentum and, and build his level and we've seen him do that time and time again we saw him do that in January in Australia and you know he's a threat this is actually the, the really his, his second best slam in terms definitely, of definitely yeah, just in terms of yeah you, and, and yeah, I don't know there's something about it's but even like these faster conditions like this current era of Nadal where he comes to the net and, and that, he, that just brings out some, some magic in him so uh, he's, he's one of the top top contenders and if, Look, if he wins it would be no surprise I mean he's won more US Opens than Djokovic which yeah. is shocking considering how their hardcore reputations like and he won more he's won four US Opens since Federer last won one you know like he's like there's a lot of good Nadal stats and a couple of those he won through really broken draws to be honest 2017 especially like everything opened up for him in that tournament um, but uh, yeah but he's he's still the guy and he, I think I feel like I have to pick him and you yeah. should pick him because I feel like if you don't, he successfully gaslit us all year. Like, we, you know, he's sort of like, I can't do it, I can't do it, and he keeps doing it. So at some point, I don't know what his, you know, I think you gotta pick him. I think you gotta pick him. I think so. Yeah. He's, yeah. Not and, a, and, maybe, so maybe, maybe again, at the end of saying it's less open than we're saying, but I do think it's open bar Nadal. Like, for if, sure, if for Nadal sure. goes out, like, I'm not saying Nadal versus the field. I wouldn't pick Nadal against the field. And that's probably, probably, <laughs> probably not. But, like, and I just say like at this point it's 
it's really, really hard to pick. When when either Nadal or Djokovic are in the draw and playing, um, and playing well, it's still it's just so hard to pick. It, to, I know to, to look past them. They're so much better. They're so much better, even in the advancing age. Yeah. You know, they're just you know. The one sort of looking at Nadal's path, the one match I would circle potentially the second round, and it's either Fanini, who has beaten him here and beaten him several times actually, or uh, Karatsev, who I could just see liking these fast conditions and potentially just like blasting it all off the court. Like I think that would be like a, a I, if I'm Karatsev, I get really excited by that opportunity to like go out there and like reassert myself. As a great player, I watched his match in Cincinnati against uh, uh, Schwartzman down on court oh, yeah, court yeah, ten, yeah. and uh, and it's just it's so cool watching that guy crush balls. Like it was just like it just hits the absolute the Jesus out of the ball, and it's it's fun to see. Uh, so let's see who's open draws. Uh, anything else? I think we've said enough. I think we've said plenty. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>